There we go. So, <clears throat> when we, uh, in this country, think about um, the idea of choice and freedom and free will and some of those things, um, I think as Americans, sometimes we think we invented those things. And, uh, you know, we like to uh, think here sometimes that we're free from the influences of the culture that we live around and uh, that often become a part of us and part of who we are. And, and the way that words and terms and phrases are used, you know, we've talked a lot about the abuse in the culture that we live in of words like um, love. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, last week about how some of the words and uh, phrases, we talked about this idea of glory. You know, so something, sometimes these things kind of get uh, captured and redefined for us. And, uh, you know, really today's lesson really is, is a lot uh, more about maybe your attitudes or your thoughts uh, towards uh, God and attitudes towards His Word. Um, than it is anything else. Um, you're going to see a, you know, some of these things where this phrase directs some action, but I really kind of want to think more about the phrase itself and our attitude towards it and maybe how sometimes we're affected by some of these things that uh, are around us. So uh, just getting into the lesson, uh, the first uh, scripture I have up uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. And so, why study a word or phrase like this? I think we kind of already started out there, but... Uh, you know, the question is, does the language and culture that we live in affect and inform our thoughts and decisions? I think we kind of know that those things do. Uh, does the re redefinition of terms like gratitude, fellowship, love, do they really have an impact on Christians, on me, and on you? Um, and so we'll get right into it, and what, what we'll do is we'll show you some of the definitions that I was able to find online, and then we'll talk about uh, vines as well. Um, and there's some subtleties in here that I think are important, and that's why we're doing this. So, uh, used to indicate duty or correctness, uh, typically when criticizing someone's actions, um, And an example of that is this idea of they ought to respect the law. That would be the use of that phrase, uh, some, you know, a way that we would recognize. Um, another way, uh, it's used to indicate something that is probable. Um, an example of that, uh, five minutes ought to be enough time. You know, uh, this idea of indicating something that's probable is probably not going to be... Uh, our focus today, but that is one of the uh, uses of the phrase. Webster is to express obligation, advisability, natural expectation, or logical consequence. 
Um, and, um, you know, and you get a hint of some of the things that we're looking for um, in this idea of uh, obligation, uh, expectation, or consequence. Um, you know, those are, those are useful terms in where we want to be. Uh, used to indicate something that one could reasonably expect, and that, that's kind of the second part of that other definition. These were some kind of phrase use uh, things that I found online that I guess uh, folks teaching English language would, uh, I guess these days it's language arts, would, would help you to understand how this thing's properly used. Um, and you would see it's, it's kind of broken down in pieces. Uh, used to say or ask what is correct or best thing to do. And you notice it has this uh, idea of obligation in with it. Uh, I should or ought to see a doctor. I have a terrible headache. You know, that would be how you'd use it in a sentence. Um, in this idea of advice, this uh, one in the middle to suggest an action or to show that it is necessary, to, you know, this idea of advice giving. Um, you should or ought to revise your lessons. Um, and I think this is a, a part of really, you know, where we get hung up a little bit. Um, and there, and that bottom one, like I say, is not one we're really going to focus on. Um, but, you know, I remember doing a lesson in Proverbs and uh, talking a little bit about parenting. And we were talking about, uh, you know, the application of corporal punishment. And... Um, after the class was over, had a young lady come up and, and say, well, I, you know, I, I think maybe I misunderstood what you said. And, of course, you all know me pretty good. Probably wasn't the case, you know. She's just being nice. Uh, but she said, I, you know, I thought you had this idea of an obligation of, you know, these, these whippings are going to come. I'm like, yeah. I, you know, I'm, and the thought was... Uh, and, and this is where you see these problems, is that uh, when we see ought to or advice in scriptures, um, then really kind of it's optional. You know, uh, it's something you, you can't, you know, you can kind of do without. And, you know, you hear folks put, you know, proverbs in this idea of wisdom scriptures. You know, it's well, it's not the law. Okay, well, what advice... Uh, that your father gives you, can you ignore and still be honoring your father? You know, so if if you're going to say that that that's wisdom scriptures or the, you know that's God's advice to us, or these are some ought to ideas uh, that are optional, you know that, that's kind of introducing, I guess, where we want to go with these thoughts. This idea of advisability you know, should or ought to or had better, and these are the ways we use these things in our language. Uh, you should study harder. You ought to study harder. You should obey the speed limit. Drivers ought to obey the speed limit. Um, you know, as you get into had better, you know, they think, well, that's, you know, that's stronger. Um, uh, and you see that it says their, their meaning ranges in strength from a suggestion to a statement about responsibility of duty. So, 
you know, we're starting to touch when we get to have better uh, this idea of there might even be a hint of responsibility or duty mixed in. Um, and you see that progression here in this slide as well, you know. Uh, and it's talking about this idea of going to the doctor. Um, you know, and, it, and there's an example on the bottom of the negative of the phrase, but, you know, I think we all understand pretty much how we're using this in our language. Um, you begin to um, see, I think, in this portion of this chart, I'm going to grab my, I don't know, y'all may not can see that good from the back, um, but basically what this thing does is it breaks it back. You know, this idea of asking or giving advice is, is back over here. And these little bitty boxes here, one says authority and one says yourself. And, um, and you'll begin to see where we're headed with some of this because over here now we've got this should or whatever. It says the doctor says that you should rest for a few days. And over here you say it says, I think, you ought to rest for a few days. Uh, and so what's the, you know, you, you begin to get a hint of where we're going, you know, because what's stronger? The doctor says it's advisable for you to go take a few days rest or whatever. Matter of fact, if you get one of these where the doctor signs it, your boss will accept it, right? <laughs> but if it's just like, you know, I think I ought to take a few days off, I'm not feeling too good. I need a little rest. Uh, what's your boss think about that? Well, did you go to the doctor? And, and you know, what does the doctor say? So you kind of see that this thing breaks down, even in the speech, the way we use it. We do recognize this idea of authority and how that changes a little bit the strength of these things as we talk with one another. All right, how do each of these ideas relate and, and I'm going to introduce some, you know, this idea of free will or choice. Um, how do these things relate? But it's really important to think about where does this come from? You know, where does free will even come from? You know, is it uh, something that we have because we're citizens here in the United States, because the Constitution provides for it? You know, what's the source of it? You know, if we're going to go back and recognize in our speech that the authority of something makes a difference in the strength of something and we're talking about this idea of choice we need to kind of <coughs> dig down in it so authority and that idea where you know where does it originate from where does it come from um, I want us and we're going to try to go through several slides and, and address all of these things but I wanted you all to kind of start packing it into your thought. Uh, obligation versus advice versus promises versus gratitude versus relationship. You know, where do these things come from? And, you know, how does it all tie back into this thought? And maybe it's a good place to th uh, stop and think about, you know, um, if I'm addressing my small child, you know, how often do I use um, suggestive language to get what I want out of that kid? 
not much, right? And so when we're thinking about, we know that as they grow, we're going to say things like, you know, uh, son, it's Wednesday, you ought to take the trash out. Now, when you know, when he's this big, you know, well, if he can take the trash out, you know, hey, take the trash out. But as you mature, uh, the way that the language is used changes a little bit. Um, I might would say ought to among peers or ought to uh, where I'm uh, in a spot where my advice may be valued or, you know, you think about how in the places where you use the speech or a phrase like that and how you think about it. You know, how does it get used and uh, what does it indicate with regard to, um, you know, respect or maturity or growth um, with regard maybe to relationship? You know, think about some of that. So does it matter? You know, and these are, these are some examples that everybody would understand. A shoe salesman says to you, you ought to buy a really nice pair of shoes. How strong is that? Kind of like car salesman buddy, you're saying, hey, you ought to buy a new car, right? It's, you know, it doesn't play the same. Uh, your boss says, you ought to buy a really nice pair of shoes. It's a little different, isn't it? Uh, you, you're working on the floor at the store, and... Your shoes look really bad, and your boss says you ought to buy a really nice pair of shoes. Maybe you should. All right. Stranger says you ought to dress me in this manner. Your spouse says you ought to dress me in this manner. And God says you ought to dress me in this matter, in this manner. All right. And you see how that we recognize in the way that we think about these things. Um, that these things do matter. So what matters most then? Content, uh, whether or not the advice falls into cultural norms, the value you place on the relationship, the benefits or results of compliance, or the authority of the source. Um, I taught some classes uh, on ethics and it was really kind of funny because for realtors, they have a code of ethics and it has teeth in it. And you sign it or, you know, you, when you sign up and you pay to join, you agree to certain things that puts the teeth in it. And it's kind of like once it's codified, once it has teeth in it, it really, doesn't really fit the definition of ethics much anymore. It's, it's kind of law. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's not choice. You, you pull it back out of the realm of choice. So... You know, you think about um, the benefits or results of compliance. You know, you begin to sort through what some of that means. All right, so what does ought to depend on? Purpose, objectives, goals, and think about how those things relate back to you know, penalties for compliance, benefits of compliance. Um, 
is my purpose lined up with the source of the ought to? Are, are my purposes aligned? Um, when you start thinking about if uh, the purpose that we share with the Lord is our salvation, that was a purpose, that was a goal, that was something that he set forth for himself, it's something that if we adopt, right, we're in line in purpose. So what does that do with this kind of a ought to statement? Um, the giver or the receiver of the ought to. Um, you know, how much depends on who the parties are. Um, definitions of good and bad and who defines these things. Who, who, when this advice is being given, isn't it usually given in the context of a choice? There's the good and the, there's the bad, right? And who defines the things inside the choice, right? So we're talking about this idea of free will when we're talking about ought to. It suggests or implies the choice, right? And so, who defines the good and the bad in the choice? And is that important? Who does the defining? Is it me? See? Promises, obligations, debt, will. Um, how do these things impact these thoughts. So we get to vines, and we've heard those other definitions. Alright, vines, it says, it is necessary, one must. This idea of to owe is bound. Of necessity as to what is required that something may be brought about. Uh, other translated words from that base. I'm not going to try to define that or pronounce that. Other translated words would be must, behoove, owe, should, need, bound, debt, due, and duty. And think about how culturally we think about this term, right? So we find ought to in scriptures as applied to us, and we think in terms of ought to culturally as we think about it among ourselves, and we lose some of this right here, don't we? Some of those ideas. But you see in the vines, that, that's the way that thing's being translated otherwise. So let's look at it in scriptures. Um, 1 Kings 2.9, Now therefore, do not let him go unpunished, for you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do to him and you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with blood. Now, we know this is David at the end of his life giving advice, giving advice, right, to Solomon. So how important is content here, relationship here? All right, so what's the relationship? It's father to son, but what's the content? It's this idea of justice, right? All right. But it's father to son, but it's also king to successor. So, you know, is this a suggestion? 
Is Solomon really expected here to be obedient or to exercise his own judgment? And we think about who thinks that David had confidence in the wisdom of Solomon? Who, who thinks that it's a sign of growth or, or an acknowledgement of some maturity when a father gives an ought to to a son when really it's probably expected? You see how that language implies something? Alright, this is an interesting case, and because of time, I don't want to get all over Andrew's next hour. This is the parable of the talents, and you can turn there if you'd like, but I'm picking on one verse. I'm going to say that y'all know about the five, the two, and the one talent man. I'm looking at my crowd, I'm pretty sure, that you know. So Matthew 25, 27, in this story... We're just picking this verse out. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Well, ought to. Well, then we're, we're done with this then, right? Should have, but it was optional, right? So that we're, this is going to be the end of the story, right? There no, no consequences for an ought to. But we know, I mean, we know better than that, right? Um... Had the master given specific instructions to the servants before leaving or did the opportunity, or let's say gift or promise, imply a necessary response? What do we get out of the story when we read the story? What do we think the answer to this is? What we see when we read the story is this guy saying, well, I knew you were a hard man. So this is what I assumed. Well, is that what he should have assumed? No. Uh, there was an ought to that was probably even implied. There was a necessary response that was supposed to come through the man's discernment, his judgment of the situation, an understanding that evidently was required. Can't you just hear this guy after this judgment concerning him had been made? How unfair. He didn't tell me what I was supposed to do, and now I'm being punished. Does that sound like any of us from time to time? You know, well, I didn't have all the information. Or that wasn't specific enough. And, and who would say something like that in a father-child uh, relationship? An immature child or a mature child? Right? And how different are we today? Uh, what do the weightier matters of the law require? Justice, mercy, faithfulness? Don't they require judgment and discernment? Don't they require a certain amount of spiritual maturity? Those things, if we're doing those things, require some spiritual maturity, right? And so why does he speak to us in ought to's? <laughs> oh, so you're leaving it up to me. 
that's the that's the thought that I think we're we're shooting for eliminating. You know, a little bit <laughs> trying to get rid of that thought. You know, because uh, I know when my dad, when I was, I can remember a specific instance uh, where he was trying out this whole thing of, well, this is what you ought to decide. Here's your choices, and this is what you ought to decide. I evidently didn't choose wisely, and uh, he corrected it ahead of time, and, you know, he plugged me in it. But my thought when I had the choice, oh, so you're leaving it up to me. And uh, he really wasn't, you know. So I learned a little bit about ought to right there. How do you think the apostles looked at the ought to in this verse? For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Well, how do you think they thought about that? Ought to right there. Do you think that they were thinking, well, the Holy Spirit's going to give me what to say, and then it'll be up to me what to say? Probably not. Um, in Luke 17, um, we've got this idea of the unworthy servants, you know, and this idea basically is that if you're a servant, you've got things that you're expected to do. Uh, so the end of this brief uh, reading says, So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So when you're doing your work, when you're doing what you should do, you're doing what you ought to do. You know, it's not extra. You know, um, had my dad said you ought to do this, and I chose to do this, or whatever it was that I was choosing to do right or wrong. Um, let's say I chose right. Uh, should I be super duper proud of myself? I'm super son, right? I'm extra. I'm way out here above. Or did I just do what I was supposed to do? And that's, I think, the story that's being said there. When you do what you ought to do, you did what you were supposed to do. And that's it. So what's in the question here? Is it some thought, this some idea of entitlement? Um, when I've met my obligation, when the work is done, when is my work in the kingdom done here? When am I done? When have I met my obligation? And so, you know, we think about, like I say, you, you want to give yourself this extra, I'm getting extra credit doing the things that I ought to do, which, you know, I, th I think what we find in scriptures, if you do what you ought to do, uh, that's great, but that's not, that doesn't make you great. Um, and at that point, you know, you're not entitled to special treatment. You, you know, you're doing what we're all supposed to do. 
So what's my problem here? When do I get to exercise the, the supposed free will that I've been given? When, when, when do I get to exercise this free will that I've been given? Maybe a better question is, how should I exercise the free will that I've been given? Um, you know, you see how that how we think about those things, you know, just the way we phrase the question to ourselves. you can see how that would be important. Um, you know, what impact does my attitude or my thoughts with regard to what I find in scriptures for myself to do um, impact that outcome? How does it impact that decision when I do have that choice? How I phrase it, is it important? Will it help me to do it better? All right, in John 13, 14, If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 17, If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So what's the message? Is the message foot washing or humbly serving one another in love, putting each other's interest ahead of his own, uh, is the message sacrificial love or giving over my own preferences for yours? Uh, what is being taught there? And really thinking about it in this way, how much easier is it to go through the motions of some ceremony once a week than to live sacrificially like Jesus did every single day. So we look back at um, what he says there with regard to what they ought to do. Is it this idea of service, uh, this decision that we make um, to replace his will with our will. Isn't that really what we should do? How should we use the opportunity of free will? How should we approach it? How should we think about it? Acts 17, 29. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that, we, we, that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. So now we're, we're dealing with ought to's with regard to how we're supposed to think. Paul is saying we ought to think a certain way, right? Is that what he's saying? Romans 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So, we've got this idea, and you know, we may want to call it a suggestion, because it says ought to, of how it is that we're supposed to even think. But, you know, we know that uh, scriptures tell us that uh, our words and our thoughts matter. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. 
So have we generated, has he, has he generated for us another choice? Well, okay, well, this is optional. So Paul says, my own interests ought to be put back. Um, man. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. And since it just says ought to, is this really optional? Is this, this is just advice and we can kind of take it or leave it. Our lives will go better, our marriages may go better, but it's still just our choice. Because he originated that free choice and obviously he gave us a choice, right? So for which I am an ambassador in change... Uh, that in proclaiming, in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So now we've gone from thoughts, now our speech. Um, are we obligated to speak in a certain way? I, you know, it looks like what's happening to our free will here as we're going through this. Um, and remember, thinking about it in the way that how should I... Uh, think about free will, how should I think about my choice, my freedom to choose? What should I do with that choice? That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Colossians 4.4. 4. All right, we're back to 1 Thessalonians 4.1. says, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instructions as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still, still the more. So this is uh, what you think, what you say, and what you do all has this ought to stuff attached to it. Second uh, Thessalonians 3.7 For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Um, now we're uh, having to observe and follow an example, having to think about it and do it. 1 Timothy 3.15, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So our conduct... Um, among ourselves, what we do here. Second Peter 3.11 Since all these things are to be destroyed in this, in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And there again we go back to some of those earlier ideas uh, that we talked about, you know, where, where there's benefits or consequences tied to the ought to, Right? We're starting to see some things tied back into this ought to right here. Um, right here, it's got some teeth in it. So concluding thoughts. I need to act a certain way, think a certain way. I need to give up self. What else? We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Okay, and there again, 
what does the strength of that relationship, what do the benefits, what do the consequences, how do these things impact this ought to? And what does it make it mean to you as you think about those things? You see how those things impact how we think about what we're supposed to do here. You know, he's letting us know that we've got to love a certain way and it's sacrificially. This is something that I think we've all probably heard before. It's a saying I found online. I just copied it. I think we've probably all heard it before. Somebody says, I may not be who I ought to be. I know I'm not at all that I want to be. But I've come a long way from who I used to be, and I won't give up on becoming what I know I can be. And I remember um, talking to Buddy a little bit one time kind of about something like this. I was, you know, we were basically acknowledging that I was aware of something that I should be doing, and I let him know that I was working on that. I was making some small strides in that direction. And he, he promptly straightened me out. He said, well, he said, Mark, he said, you realize that you know what you're supposed to do and you're just getting better on your own time. You know, in other words, uh, you're basically telling God that you're going to comply when you get good and ready. And, um, you know, I went from feeling pretty good about myself to getting kind of probably about where I needed to be, which is about right here. So, you know, when we think about uh, this idea of improvement by degree, it sounds really great when it's said like that, but uh, certainly a more immediate response is probably better. All right, so this is the last slide. So when we think about uh, things that we ought to be, we think about this idea of being a Christian. We ought to be a Christian. We ought to be a working, contributing member of the body, body of Christ. We ought to be someone who seeks forgiveness and reconciliation. We ought to be someone who seeks to understand what's involved in a proper response to our Creator and our Savior. And of course, you probably all know where I'm going with this. When you know what it is that you ought to do uh, with regard to salvation, when we think about the benefits and the consequences that we talked about earlier, this idea of benefits and consequences. How does it impact this idea of what you ought to do? And when you think about the benefits and the, con uh, the consequences uh, with regard to this idea of being a Christian, being a working, contributing member of the body of Christ, being someone who seeks forgiveness and reconciliation, and being someone who seeks to understand what's involved in a proper response to our Creator and our Savior, um, what it leads to uh, is this idea that you understand that you ought to do those things, right? These are things you ought to do. And, and what I would say is that uh, if you've made those determinations, you know what those things are, and you'd like to come forward and make those things right, uh, we'd invite you to do that while we stand and sing the song that's been selected, number 522.